Hi, welcome to another episode of Analyzing Mormonism. Um, we we had gotten someone into the essay of the first visions, and then we said we were going to go right back into it, but it's been a week. <laughs> well, so, it's a really long account. It is a long, the whole thing is a long essay, but we're halfway through and we're going to keep trying along. Truck, 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 Okay, so we're at the spot in the essay about the 1842 account, so I'm going to play it and then we're going to keep giving commentary on it, so... This is part two. 1842 account. Written in response to Chicago Democrat, editor John Wentworth's request for information about the Latter-day Saints, this account was printed in the Times and Seasons in 1842. The Wentworth letter, as it is commonly known, is also the source of the Articles of Faith. The account, intended for a publication to an audience unfamiliar with Mormon beliefs, is concise and straightforward. As with earlier accounts, Joseph Smith noted the confusion he experienced and the appearance of two personages in answer to his prayer. The following year, Joseph Smith sent this account with minor modifications to a historian named Israel Daniel Rupp, who published it as a chapter in his book, He Passa Ecclesia, The Whole Church, an original history of the religious denominations at present existing in the United States. Okay, where did you guys have any thoughts on that one? Well, I remember reading, or reading, learning about that in primary, about the Wentworth letter, and that he responded with what we learned, Mm -hmm. and we got a candy bar for every article that we learned. Or no, it was like a piece of candy for every article. And then when we memorized all 13, we got a candy bar. Oh, that's nice. I think I, I think that happened to me too. Yeah. I still have memorized the 13th article of faith. And that is the only one that I remember oh. to each word. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's nice. Only I can remember number one, number two, number six. If they had a song, I was pretty good at it. Yeah. And the, the number six is easy because of the song. And we should, like, we're going to do the, are we going to do the... the Articles? Are we able to read over those? No, 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 no. no, no. no, no, no. Namely, Namely, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and so forth. Is it just like heaven and evangelists, right? That's what it says. We don't have evangelists. Pastors. We don't have pastors. There's some teachers. We do have teachers. Evangelists, so forth. Yeah, but that's my favorite article of faith because it's very catchy. <laughs> it's very catchy. <laughs> yeah, this one, I don't think there's a lot to say on this one because it is the account that we are all, or it is a account, account that we're all familiar with. So I don't, there's really nothing to say about it. My, my, my really nuanced Mormon brain, instead of like a normal ad playing in my head all the time, it's like, we send this up to headquarters just for fun. <laughs> Namely, about <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's funny. I get the temple stuff stuck in my head. Oh my God. Okay, so we're going to move on. <laughs> Secondhand accounts. Besides these accounts from Joseph Smith himself, five accounts were written by contemporaries who heard Joseph Smith speak about the vision. Which if you know, if you've read, if you go and read the secondhand accounts, some of them don't speak about it at all. They don't speak about the vision. Um, they don't speak about God and Christ. And it's just really interesting if you go and read those. Also... Um, I want to make an episode about this, but there are others, and I think I've said this before in the last episode, but there are other secondhand accounts from from John Taylor, Brigham Young, Heber C. Kimball that also say that Joseph did not see God in Christ, that he only was visited by an angel, and the angel told him not to join any of the churches. So, and that's really interesting because, like, not only are they like, um, did he like what? or they were actively like. No, he did not see God. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, and also, what kind of following is that if you're, like, leading guys are telling you? Like, literally, yeah. the second prophet of the church was like, no, jo-, like, Brigham Young said, no, Joseph Smith did not see God. Even if he had seen God in Christ in 1820, 
why are why are so many people getting this story wrong? Like right. including Brigham Young. It just feels like he slipped it in later. It That's absolutely what I mean. feels that it's way. Like, it doesn't feel yeah, like something no. he started teaching from the get go, like most prophets. Like I just wonder when people started hearing the first vision as common and as um, what it the feels way we like, hear it now. What it feels like is like it was a later idea, and then later in church history, um, somebody was like, "Oh, that that is good." That is but good when, stuff. When we did it become that... a testimony builder? Yeah. Or when was it common knowledge? Like, that's what I mean. Like, when was it, when were the members being told it? So we know, like, Lorenzo Snow was when tithing was instituted. Right. right. So could we pinpoint to a specific prophet that started preaching the first vision? I don't know. I'd have somebody ask me that on TikTok, and I really need to go and we like, should figure that so out. So each of the prophets has a book, right, put out by the church, the teachings of Yeah, but XYZ, those are so watered, watered down. down. Like, if you look at Brigham Young's, it just says he has one wife, she died of sickness, and then he had another wife. It, like, yeah, I know you can't see this because it's a else. podcast where my jaw just dropped. Because <laughs> to, Brigham Young had so many more like than one Like 50 plus wife. wives. Holy crap. Anyway, so those booklets... While I think they're we like, write our I, own. I want to have them on my shelf, they are not. Accurate. I guess what I mean is, could we find something in there saying, "Here's who started oh, really pushing the first I vision"? Because like Hinckley was Book of Mormon, so. yeah. Monson was missionary work, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and you're right. There's like little. So they each that... have their own little things that they. Lorenzo Snow was tithing. I don't really know a whole lot of others except for their names. But, like, if John Taylor was the third prophet and he's even getting it wrong in the Journal of Discourses, this is what I'm talking about. Those secondhand accounts are from the Journal of Discourses. So even he was, even the third prophet was getting it wrong or not, or getting it mixed up. So when, when was it, yeah, so when was it? Older members. So who are some of our oldest defectors? And when, what do they remember hearing about the first vision growing up? Well, I feel like that's, I feel like we've, it's been drilled into us. Um, for a really long time, this well, exact us, vision. But was it that way with dad? No, I well, think like it would have been. I think it, like in the 1900s, mom, the beginning. Well, no, even that was Brigham, right? 19... Like, like my mom, I mentioned the the rock in the hat to my mom, and she was like, "Oh yeah, I've heard about that." And I was like, "Okay, in my 30 years, mm-hmm. I had never heard that, and I thought it was crazy talk when I first heard mm-hmm. it like, two years <laughs> ago." So, but she was just like, "Oh yeah, like yeah, that's so like." In the 70s, or when my mom was growing up, apparently somebody talked about that, so maybe they talked about this kind of thing. Maybe they did. Yeah. Anyway, I'd be interested to do that kind of research. Maybe it, it also seems like we, we make more allowances for things like that happening in the past. Like, I can remember as a primary student thinking, like, we would never believe someone if they came to us and told us this now, but we believe Joseph for some reason. Like, as a little kid, thinking, like, oh, I would not believe that 13-year-old. Like, if they a 13-year-old so. from my ward came up no, to me. No, but not just that. This boy had been treasure digging. He said he saw all kinds of spirits and things like that. And, and they're I doing occultic rituals. Like, so Dad, not even just an honest... heard some rumors. Yeah, not... If you take a good, honest kid, like, if Haley had come to us and said those, because our, our sister, if she'd come and said that, I, um, I would probably believe her, because she doesn't tell fables like that but joseph is known for his storytelling like so i just yeah his tall tales and i yeah anyway um so we're gonna keep going arguments regarding the accounts of joseph smith's first vision the variety and number of accounts of the first vision have led some critics to question whether joseph smith's descriptions 
match the reality of his experience. Two arguments are frequently made against his credibility. The first questions Joseph Smith's memory of the events. The second questions whether he embellished elements of the story over time. Uh, I, like I said in the last episode, him writing about the angels was written on top of the words already there. That just feels like embellishment to me. Oh, also I saw angels. Mm. Like, I mean, I guess you could have forgotten, but like, I don't, mm. I don't know. You, if you've asked me before, and was this on our podcast? I can't remember if it was on your podcast or not, but that question of like, uh, do you remember who was there when, when you were giving birth? Uh-huh. <laughs> I could like name everybody in the room except for the specific nurses that came in when I was pushing. Like, I didn't forget me, my husband, Olivia, or anyone on my birthing team. So, like, why would he have forgotten who was there with him in the grove right. when it was so monumental? Well, like, to me, I... And, like, I, he wasn't even pushing anything out of him. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't even any blood or others. <laughs> he was not in a medical Well, emergency. like, the, the angels doesn't bother me because it could have been an add-on. But he's he was forgetting one of the key Jesus characters in the first God. time. He was forgetting God. I feel like angels are kind of a big deal to see, though. Well, like, no, I mean, and you're probably right, especially if they're, like, singing. If it's, like, just, a whole choir. Why did we talk of, about it when Christ came? Like, there's yeah. a... Conquest and of angels singing glory to God in the highest. Yeah. They even have like a whole phrase that they got to be quoted on. But he, these are just like tossed in there. It's yeah. Nice. It reminds me of the Berenstain Bears episode where they are playing <laughs> soccer in the house and We're they break a children. lamp. <laughs> and um, they break a lamp and then they have to explain to their mom what happened. But because they lied about how it got broken, they keep messing up the description of the bird that apparently came <laughs> oh in and flew and broke the lamp instead of the soccer ball. So it's like <laughs> Joseph's having to like re-describe this bird. And they're like, no, it had three horns, not two. You said three. And he's like, right, 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 right. Three. <laughs> <laughs> there, were, there were two personages. Yes. <laughs> and angels. And, and, and angels. Oh, yeah, and angels. And six white horses. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's a Hello, Dolly reference. <laughs> My favorite, there's a TikToker that um, does, and this is just off topic, there's a TikToker who takes the images and then he puts his own, he makes them move. The talk, yes. The talk. Yes. And my favorite TikTok I think of all time is him. It's Joseph giving the first vision. And I can't remember the TikToker's name, but I can put it in the notes. But he's like, I saw Jesus. Oh, no, wait, I don't know. I saw, I saw God and Jesus. Oh, no, wait, I also saw angels. Like, he keeps changing the story. I love that one. And he's like, and this really happened. And it's just so funny. And this really happened. <laughs> okay, so we're going to keep going. Memory. One argument regarding the accounts of Joseph Smith's first vision alleges that historical evidence does not support Joseph Smith's description of religious revival in Palmyra, New York, and its vicinity in 1820. Some argue that this undermines both Joseph's claim of unusual religious fervor and the account of the vision itself. So they go on to say, and I sh- maybe I should just keep playing, but they, they do say that there was revivals, because I've heard that there weren't any in Palmyra in 1820, um, but then there was, they talk about, there was some in Massachusetts, I think. Which isn't really fair of the church propaganda because all the videos that we've ever seen depicting Joseph Smith's journey, Joseph Smith's journey leading him to the prayer in the grove, right, was tons of religious unrest and tents setting up and people everywhere preaching different gospels. And this apparently did not happen. Yeah, so one historian named Dan Vogel, he points out that um, Joseph wasn't, in 1820, Joseph was not concerned about his salvation. He wasn't concerned about which church to join. Like, his parents had some rough spots, but there was 
mostly for the most part they were all getting along just fine but in 1823 in november his brother alvin dies and he becomes greatly concerned about his salvation because this preacher says alvin is going to hell because he has not been baptized and so it makes more sense to me for the first vision to have happened sometime in 1824 rather than 1820 because things were fine in, in his life like and that's makes more sense with the first account of the first vision where he was just wasn't he seeking forgiveness of sins like he wasn't seeking for a church well, it sort of it sort of speaks to the church's desire for clean lines in their propaganda because they're mm-hmm. saying this is what really happened. He saw the angel. He was persecuted, or he saw. Excuse me, not the angel. He saw Jesus Christ and God was persecuted, was loved by Alvin and supported, and then Alvin like told him after he saw Moroni, you know, at all costs get the plates. Yeah. But really. Joseph wasn't wasn't concerned about his salvation. There weren't tents pitched everywhere with people preaching. Alvin wasn't super. Con- was Alvin concerned with the plates? Did he want to like? Was um, Alvin was involved in treasure digging. Yes, he okay. would go out with his dad. Yeah, so yes, so Alvin knew about them, and I'm pretty sure he did make that encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason to think that he didn't. Gotcha. But I think it was more like a monetary thing. I don't think Joseph had intentions of of translating it. I think it was to sell. But I loved those church movies. They were so feel good. They were like. Hallmark movie, Mormon style. They, they make Joseph Smith look so good. Yes, they do. They, He's they so do. kind. In fact, the actor they picked is just like, just probably a nice guy. <laughs> I don't think there's ever been a movie Either where I didn't like the Joseph. Nice guy or a really good actor. Oh my gosh, that is what he does, huh? He yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Documentary evidence, however, supports Joseph Smith's statements regarding the revivals. The region where he lived became famous for its religious fervor and was unquestionably one of the hotbeds of religious revivals. Historians refer to the region as the Burned Over District because preachers wore out the land-holding camp revivals and seeking converts during the early 1800s. In June of 1812, for example, a Methodist camp meeting took place in Palmyra, and the following summer, Methodists assembled again in Vienna, now Phillips, New York, 15 miles from the Smith family farm. The journals of an interim Methodist preacher document much religious excitement in Joseph Smith's geographical area in 1819 and 1820. They report that Reverend George Lane, a revivalist Methodist minister, was in the region in both years, speaking on God's method and bringing about reformations. This historical evidence is consistent with Joseph's description. He said that the unusual religious excitement in the district, or region, commenced with the Methodist. Indeed, Joseph stated that he became somewhat partial to Methodism. Um, so, um, America and I have read off some of the newspaper articles in some of the last episodes, and um, they wrote everything down. It was just a gossip um, Well, they didn't paper. have Facebook. Right. So, like, if, 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 there, if, if Joseph was going around telling people that he'd seen God in Christ, I don't... It would and it was cause Especially if it was causing um, persecution to arise, because he says that in his history... At That's a very what we, young they age, say in the propaganda. why why wouldn't they have written that in the newspaper? Right, but they didn't. It wasn't anywhere. No, so even in Lucy's letters to her family, after the church was organized, she doesn't say anything about it. Nobody like says nobody. It's it's a like a new idea that has been added later that Joseph was saw had the vision with God and Christ, and then was persecuted super hard for it. Yeah. Well, and what's weird is that he would be persecuted for something that was happening, but like, like all over the place, people all over the place is it is written in the newspapers. So and so saw God. Yeah. So and so they even had a wrote about it. Experience. They even wrote God. it with Martin Harris. They said he saw 
and we'll do this in the next episode, but he says he saw Jesus and he was the most handsome man ever and he saw the devil and he had the head of a jackass. Yeah, and four feet. And four feet, yeah, like he's a donkey. Why didn't they write about Joseph seeing God in Christ? Nobody mentioned it and nobody would have cared unless there was some other reason to care, Mm. which Mm. we know there was. (laughs) (laughs) Embellishment. The second argument frequently made regarding the accounts of Joseph Smith's first vision is that he embellished the story over time. This argument focuses on two details, the number and identity of the heavenly beings Joseph Smith stated that he saw. Joseph's first vision accounts describe the heavenly beings with greater detail over time. The 1832 account says, The Lord opened the heavens upon me and I saw the Lord. His 1838 account states, I saw two personages, one of whom introduced the other as my beloved son. As a result, critics have argued that Joseph Smith started out reporting to have seen one being, the Lord, and ended up claiming to have seen both the Father and the Son. Because he did. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> he said he saw only the Lord, and then he saw the Father and the Son. Like, I don't know how they're trying to skirt around that one. Okay, I'm just going to keep going because they it gets, like, weirder. Alright, let's hear it. There are other, more consistent ways of seeing the evidence. A basic harmony in the narrative across time must be acknowledged at the outset. Three of the four accounts clearly state that two personages appear to Joseph Smith in the first vision. The outlier is Joseph Smith's 1832 account, which can be read to refer to one or two personages. If read to refer to one heavenly being, it would likely be the personages who forgave his sins. According to later accounts, the first divine personage told Joseph Smith to hear the second, Jesus Christ, who then delivered the main message, which included the message of forgiveness. Joseph Smith's 1832 account then may have concentrated on Jesus Christ, the bearer of forgiveness. I feel like right there they're saying, because if you've got four accounts, in three of the accounts he says he saw both God and Christ, then the, you can discount the first one. I, I the outlier, they're using it like um, like math. Like Yeah, like I don't... mean. W- once you've added someone in the story, why take them back out? Like, I... I you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't understand. Can you help me out Am I missing something? Well, in their point of view, the first vision happened. So if the first vision happened, then you are just going to have to take the information at its face value and say, well, he said three times that that he saw both personages, so that must be what happened. In my view, he said four different stories and said something different every time. And that, that is, does not denote truth to me. Yeah, just because someone's... I guess that's my point. If Just because someone says a story enough times, it doesn't mean that it actually happened. No. And I don't think that's a good argument. I mean, this isn't to say that it didn't happen. It's just I don't think that's a good way of seeing... Like, logic? I don't know. Yeah, the logic does not fit. Okay, but this next part is the part that I still think is a little bit crazy. Another way of reading the 1832 account is that Joseph Smith referred to two beings, both of whom he called Lord. The embellishment argument hinges on the assumption that the 1832 account describes the appearance of only one divine being. But the 1832 account does not say that only one being appeared. Note that the two references to Lord are separated in time. First, the Lord opens the heavens. Then Joseph Smith sees the Lord. This reading of the account is consistent with Joseph Smith's 1835 account, which has one personage appearing first, followed by another soon afterwards. The 1832 account then can reasonably be read to mean that Joseph Smith saw one being who then revealed another, and then he referred to both as the Lord. 
The Lord opened the heavens upon me, and I saw the Lord. I, I... <laughs> so... They're really the trying Lord super hard. Like they're, like, explaining how to nuance it. Yes, like, Here yes. Here is how to jump the hurdles to make it true. Yes, oh, to try yeah. to... So they're like, even though he just says he saw one, but you can really fudge mean. it and make it look like he says Because he, he said the two. Lord twice. That which the is Lord bad opened the heavens upon me, and I saw the Lord. Like... That's so, that's bad songwriting, PG. You wrote a bad, bad song. Yes. <laughs> They're trying to say one of you opened the heavens, and then he saw the other one of you. That's what he's trying to say. But yeah, it's or just the, the, so. What is so? It's so interesting because I feel like there is less question about what um, farmer grew the cacao beans that I eat my chocolate from like I can track that bean to bar with some um, with some factories you can't track Joseph Smith's story down from it happening to the preach my gospel version that they tell us there's no bean to bar there it's like bean and then it becomes Lay's chips it's like something (laughs) completely different it's not chocolate anymore it was not made in a factory we don't know the farmer but it's still delicious it's sure it's great we don't know what exactly what's in it um they tell us a lot of different stories about what's in it and it's um, affecting lots of different people differently, but it mostly had negative side effects. So be careful while you're eating it. I wonder why they went with the final story, including Satan. Well, it wasn't Satan. I think Satan's in, in at least, isn't he in the last three? Um, I don't know. I have to, well, maybe I can make Just that Just like if you're cleaning episode. up the story, like why would you? Oh, you mean why did they leave Satan? Yeah. They took him out. They've taken him out and preached my gospel. Oh, yeah. I preached my gospel. They have. So they've like, as far as what they teach new members and people, perspective members, is that there was no even the devil. It was just Jesus Christ and yeah, cause Heavenly it's, Father. It's and, kind of weird. It's a little. The spirit and you rested can, upon you. Yeah. And then yeah. you can have happy-go-lucky feelings about mm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And spiritually and. Uh, silently manipulate them into feeling pressure to be baptized. <laughs> Joseph's increasingly specific descriptions can thus be compellingly read as evidence of increasing insight, accumulating over time, based on experience. In part, the differences between the 1832 account and the later accounts may have something to do with the differences between the written and the spoken word. The 1832 account represents the first time Joseph Smith attempted to write down his history. That same year, he wrote a friend that he felt imprisoned by the paper, pen, and ink and a crooked, broken, scattered, and imperfect language. He called the written word a little narrow prison. The expansiveness of later accounts is more easily understood and even expected when we recognize that they were likely dictated accounts, an easy, comfortable medium for Joseph Smith, and one that allowed the words to flow more easily. Wait, I just want to point out, um, paper, pen, and ink, and a crooked, broken, scattered, and imperfect language, and also a little narrow prison. Joseph is writing so beautifully. Yeah, I don't why would they they're like quoting gorgeous lines from Joseph Smith's letters. But in the other essay we talked about, they said he couldn't even construct a well-worded letter. Of course that's Emma, and of course that's a lie. Years later Oops. and in the same interview where she's lying about yeah, about, about everything else specifically. Like Joseph not having any books or notes. We know he had a specific edition of the Bible, how he did not live polygamy. I feel like there was a bunch of other things that she didn't get... Not, I'm not calling Emma a liar. I'm just saying she didn't... Well, she didn't. Emma, she had, probably Emma had, had a lot to, of reasons to fool herself. 
Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's very true. Change your memories. Keep herself fooled. Yeah. Okay, so I guess this, one, this paragraph is saying that because he wrote it down, he might have missed things because he wasn't good at writing because of these gorgeous... <sighs> These gorgeous um, excerpts from his letters say that he this was a, a little narrow prison, this writing business. So that might be why he forgot about God and the angel and the devil and a bunch of other characters. <laughs> but because he dictated, which he, we know he did from the whole Book of Mormon, then the characters are somewhat more consistent. I, I feel like when I'm writing something... I'm more detailed. I'm more detailed. Yeah. But maybe... The, I don't know. And I don't think that's a good... I don't think this is a good example. It's not a good argument. A good argument, yeah, because he's... He's not making a good argument. Saying they're like, let's quote Joseph's gorgeous letters, which he's really... To say... That he can't write very well. is... is not his diff- strong suit. Not, it's... I can't relay this to you in writing as well as I could in dictating. Yeah, because he was a really charismatic speaker, and I wondered if maybe those details impacted the audiences he was speaking them to... And that's why he added those details. Oh, that would like, be. who's in the room that's going to be impacted by me seeing it this way? I just also think it's interesting that no one was writing this down. Like, you have some of the secondhand accounts, but, like, like I don't know. We were all asked to take notes during church, and, like, we wrote down Oh, my gosh. Everything. I have notebooks, and I have two full totes of so I would expect journals and notebooks members diaries to have some version of the first vision in it yeah but, i mean but that like, doesn't exist i wrote every word elder bednar said from like the moment he walked into the oh he didn't give you his talk he didn't give you his talk where he's like don't take notes take inspired notes he never gave you that talk um no 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 he totally did that but oh, he i was did. still doing it <laughs> anyway. still did. Anyway. i was like i will I'm get inspired to later <laughs> i'll get inspired oh, it's boy. like I, how elder bentner how am i gonna get inspired if i can't read your words later <laughs> well, and you, then i made him laugh so it made me feel like yes. a winner well you tell this tell that story really fast oh my gosh so okay so elder bentner came to my mission and uh he was doing a q a after his initial teachy talk <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the thingy is, is teachy talk. I like teachy talk. Teachy talk. <laughs> so he was telling us about Peter, the apostle, like getting out of the boat. He said jumped out of the boat specifically. He's like he jumped out of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. And he told us we needed to like each strive in our own missionary work to jump out of the boat. And I was like, so what do you do if you like think you're jumping out of the boat? Or you're like jump out of the boat and you're like jump into a different boat and it made him laugh it like made other men laugh made the whole mission laughed like it was the mission-wide conference and and so everybody was laughing at it. and elder benar laughed and he did this he like leaned back and like like slapped Aww. his knee and like for years i was like oh my gosh i made an apostle of the lord laugh like and, a knee slap a knee slap and then right, afterwards right. we were all shaking his hand and he asked where i was from and i was like southwest missouri northwest arkansas and he was like my wife and i lived in fayetteville and we love oh. that area and he like held my hand when he said it and i was like elder bednar is my favorite person so i wanted to ask about bednar um so um america and i went to BYU idaho and i I think he was a teacher there, and people said don't take classes from him. He was a he will... teacher? I thought he was the, like, the, the school president. president. Well, yeah, no, he was, but I, but I think he still taught. At least people were saying Before that... he was president, he taught religious classes. Part of me feels like he was still teaching as a president. Oh, I don't know. With your story. But anyway, people said don't take religion classes from him because he will fail you because he's really hard. Um, not fail you, but he was like, you will have to work really hard. Whereas religion classes... They're supposed to be kind of chill and easy. Anyway, um, but 
I have this picture of Bednar as being really intense. Was he like, did, did he give you yes. that kind of vibe? Yes. Really? Yes. I mean, he gave me the vibe of like a very good person, but very like, I mean, you intense. can tell in the way, yes, very intense, intent, intense. He is, has a point and is going to make it, but he, he does it in a way that you're like, I, I don't feel like he's a bad person. He genuinely... Oh, I was just asking about personality. Like, Yeah, no, he I seems guess... intense. He seems intense, but he seems like he loves what he what he does and who he's with and seems right. genuine, so it's like, I don't know. I, I think I'd have an easier time being in a room with him than with, like, M. Russell Ballard. Oh, yeah. Or who I'd have a really hard time with. Anyway, the reason I asked is because um, Elder L. Tom Perry came up to my mission and I maybe I just don't remember him very well. He came to my mission, but I as thought well. he was kind of more intense on this, uh, you know, during general conference. But when he came to my mission, wait, he came to yours too. He did. Oh, um, okay. So I only I didn't get to see him. I heard of the meeting afterwards, and his he had instruction immediately for the, everyone in the church: move your clocks. He said, "Don't leave them on the side anymore. Your members don't need to know what time it is. Oh. Put them in the back." Oh. Your speaker needs to know. See, what time that's it intense is. to me. Okay, so whenever he spoke to us, he was like really chill, really loose. In fact, his talk seemed to kind of meander a little bit. He talked about companionships and how they, you know, just make friends and like do good work. And it was and he like did super out of the chill. side of his mouth, a little bit like this. And then like, I, yeah, I even got to talk to him in the hallway a little bit. But like, he was like really chill. And I was like, I wonder if. Because he's just speaking to missionaries and he's not, it's not like a huge recorded assignment if it's just, Less. if they're more relaxed. And I wondered about that with Bednar, but it doesn't sound like he was at all I know relaxed. also that um, Elder Perry is six foot three. He is so tall. Yes. I, so I learned tall. it in a song to help me memorize the apostles. Wait, wait, say that again? He I, helped... learned, I learned it in a song to help me memorize oh. the apostles. What's the song? Um, uh, okay, so what is like a... Oh, where does it start? Because does it's old. It starts with Packer. It's like Packer, Packer to El Tom, Packer Tot Seminary. No, El Tom oh, Perry. Boy I know K, it's Pack Tot Seminary. Packer, El Tom Perry is six foot three. <laughs> um, <laughs> Russell M. Nelson was uh, upraided on folks. Supreme Court Justice was Dallin A. Jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and there's more. Way, what a fun way to learn that. Um, um, Russell Ballard sold used cars. And that's how you always remember that. Um, some uh, Joseph B. Worthlin was a football star. Um, somebody, somebody was from Idaho. <laughs> somebody else was a GI Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how the song went. But that's not you, accurate. You, you get it. You get it. <laughs> Several of them were G.I. Joe's, actually. <laughs> they didn't serve missions. No, actually, the first whole first presidency, including... Mm, somebody. <laughs> somebody else. Was it Ugdorf? I don't think Iring. Iring. Perry passed away forever ago. No, yeah, the top three and then another one. So there was like four, I think only four of all. Ugdorf didn't serve a mission. Yeah, I don't think Ugdorf did. I think everyone was in the military. The, and everyone was serving the country. Yeah. Which is not exactly what they tell us to do. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do the last paragraph. Conclusion. Joseph Smith testified repeatedly that he experienced a remarkable vision of God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. 
neither the truth of the first vision nor the arguments against it can be proven by historical research alone. Knowing the truth of Joseph Smith's testimony requires each earnest seeker of truth to study the record and then exercise sufficient faith in Christ to ask God in sincere, humble prayer whether the record is true. If the seeker asks with real intent to act upon the answer revealed by the Holy Ghost, the truthfulness of Joseph Smith's vision will be manifest. In this way, every person can know that Joseph Smith spoke honestly when he declared, I have seen a vision, I knew it, and I knew that God knew it, and I could not deny it. Okay. Wait, why are you laughing? Because the word alone. Okay, wait, what is this whole sentence again? Um, neither the truth of the first vision nor the arguments against it can be proven by historical research alone. <laughs> or at all. Or at all. <laughs> <gasps> oh, I'm literally crying. <laughs> okay, what are your thoughts on the on that word? You guys both laughed. Oh my god! Like, just like, like where to even begin? Chloe, you can't prove it with 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 research. You have to know. By your heart. Yeah. And how do you suppose we can research its truth? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how you people know things. Just feels by a little bit research. like they're saying you can't know whether or not Darth Vader's cloak was black by research alone. Like You have to pray about it. Darth Vader wasn't real, guys. <laughs> he was written by a guy. <laughs> Just a guy. I like that it also says Joseph testified repeatedly that he had this experience. Like, as if that's a good reason. I don't. I feel like it's almost. It's the only reason we believe this. It's because Joseph testified repeatedly. repeatedly. It's the only reason. Literally, that's it. There are people who lie and say things over and over and over that aren't the truth. Yeah, like, no, I'm not saying that this didn't happen, but like. Yeah, like him, somebody lying again and again and again doesn't make it true. No. Just because someone says something repeatedly, that's not good logic to say that they're telling the truth. Joseph repeatedly said these things, so it had to be true. Yeah, like, does that... That does, doesn't uh, I'm really pretty work. sure that uh, the guy, the one guy, if it doesn't, if the glove don't fit, he gets to quit. What, what is that? The guy <laughs> no who idea. literally murdered his girlfriend. Oh. Oh my gosh. Wait, what? I can't uh, remember his name. No. Oh. Oh, O.J. Simpson. Thank you. O.J. Oh, Simpson. Orange. Orange. O.J. <laughs> orange juice. Oh, what? Okay. O.J. Simpson. Um, Not you tell me the story. Tell so me the story. O.J. Simpson. Um, well, I won't tell you how, but he murdered his um, his wife. wife and an, a reporter who was interviewing her uh, gruesomely. And he had diabetes. Wait, he murdered... He murdered gruesomely. He murdered the reporter? His wife and the reporter oh who was gosh. interviewing her oh. gruesomely. The reporter was a dude. And um, they were found dead with murder weapons. And he had a glove on that he was wearing when he did OJ. the killing. Oh, OJ. Gosh. But he had diabetes. And so his hands swole up because while he was in prison, he did not have medication. And so when they used in evidence, they pulled the glove out. It would not fit on his hand. And so they said, if the glove doesn't fit, then he has to be acquit because that's, <gasps> they didn't take oh into account gosh. his diabetes. And stuff. O.J. Simpson walks free of murdering two people because the glove didn't fit. And to me, Joseph Smith repeating and repeating and repeating is a glove not fitting situation. It's He's repeating something over and over to people in masses and to people who are third and fourth and fifth and sixth and now even less 
directly connected to him um, people-wise. Like, I remember being in primary one time when our bishop came in and shook all of our hands and said, you've shaken the hand of someone who's shaken the hand, who's shaken the hand, who's shaken the hand, who's shaken the hand of Joseph Smith. And I was like, that's like, I don't think that at this point any germs of his have gotten to me. And if so, that's pretty disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) It just is so, like, it's so... Okay, well, what are your other... Do you have final thoughts about the First Visions accounts? The repeating and repeating it over and over again as a, like, look, it definitely happened. I, like, I can remember doing things like that as a kid, like, when, in just really, really not great scenarios, like, needing to tell myself something went a certain way so that I would believe it, so that it would make sense in my really not healthy reality. Um, Joseph Smith, I think, just wanted greatly to paint a picture so that it would fit more nicely in this Mm -hmm. religion that he was trying to sell. Right. One, one thing I was just now thinking is that um, plenty of religions were being started by people who did claim to see God or Christ or God and Christ or whatever. Other people were starting religions where they didn't have that claim. They were they were anti-Christ even going around. But but I, I think Joseph would have been just fine. And he did because we have no evidence that he shared the first vision at all before 1832. Like, if people are joining the church and they're just fine with it, with him not seeing God and Christ, I just wonder why... I guess, like you said, he's just solidifying his his mandate as prophet. I just think that's interesting. Yeah. I want to know, of all those four times that he talked about his vision, when did he say, I had seen a vision, I knew it, and I knew that God knew it, and I could not deny it? That's 1838. That's the Pearl of Great Price one, right? I'm pretty sure that's what that one is. Wait, why, why do you ask? You- well, because he, he knew it, and God knew it, and he forgot to tell anybody about it. <laughs> I knew but it. he could not deny it. I couldn't deny it, but I did deny it. But I forgot about it. it. <laughs> but I forgot about it in 1832. Wait, that's, a, that's an interesting point that you bring up. <laughs> I just like... think forgetting God is a huge deal. Like, this is God. Anyway, I just... Oh, creator of yeah. the universe. I feel like... The creator of the universe who killed somebody for touching the Ark of the Covenant might be kind of offended that it got left out of the story. Good point. And I had, I don't, I don't profess to have ever seen deity spiritually or otherwise, but I did have an experience on my mission where I felt really close to the Savior and specifically that, like, I was being communicated with to stay on my mission on a really, really, really difficult part of my mission. Um, And that was... That I will never forget and can tell you exactly what I imagined him to be and how I imagined him to walk into the room and sit on my bed and what I was wearing. Like, I can describe most of that to you and where I was when it happened. Why? When that wasn't even a real experience, can I recall that with clarity? And he couldn't even for a real quote-unquote experience. I'm imagining Jesus so that I can get myself through an experience. And he says he saw them for real and and can't remember. remember. And I could tell you with perfection what it says in my journal. While you were talking, I was remembering... As a youth, this is like a real idea that these young kids have is I can see God. I, if I'm righteous enough, I can see God I in Christ that. or angels in the temple. Like I remember as a as a youth, 12, 13 years old, doing baptisms for the dead. And I'd heard stories of 
people's not even just God and Christ, but people's ancestors coming and witnessing their own baptism and like rejoicing and then walking out. Like I've heard those stories. And so I remember being dipped into the water and coming up and being like looking for them, like actively looking for our ancestors and they were never there. Like anyway, yeah. Like, and I do remember those really vividly. Like, so it's interesting that we can remember those and have the facts. Anyway, but Joseph was, I also think, I can't remember if I said this last time, but I also think this, this talks to Joseph's idea of the Trinity because I think that, yeah, the, the idea of the Trinity evolving and, and turning into, um, more polytheism, is that the right word? Mm -hmm. Of different gods. Um, so in the Book of Mormon in the 1830 edition, it's, um, God and Christ are one being, um, Mary is the mother of the, of God. And then in the later editions, it's Mary is the mother of the Son of God. And it's that language, is, it, even in some parts, it's still in the Book of Mormon, like with Alma and Amulek and, he, and uh, Zeezrom. It's been a while since I read it, but Zeezrom was like, is there more than one God? And Amulek's like, no, there's only one God and there's no other God beside him. And you're like, well, wait a minute, hang on, what about, what about God the Father? <laughs> like, you didn't mention him. Mm. But like, so there's some parts in there that are still Trinitarian. Right. The Anyways, Book of Mormon is extremely Trinitarian. It is. It really is. I had a lot of converts and prospective members, investigators, people who we talked to on the street that would say that, that knew the Book of Mormon or who were reading it with us. Like, I'm not reading a, a Godhead here. Yeah, it's really... I'm reading a Jesus Christ especially, runs the show and he yes, is God. Especially 1830 edition. Oh, boy. And then, and then it changes later. So I, I really think that this speaks to Joseph's um, evolving idea of God and Christ. Well, I think that was basically it. Um, yeah. I... So something definitely, what we learned is things become more true the more you say them. <laughs> <laughs> so in, like, in 1984, um, 2 plus 2 is 5. We two were always two at war with Eastasia. 2 plus 2 is 5. <laughs> 2 plus 2 is 5. We were always at war. We were always, we were never at war. Oh, always. Never. No. <laughs> when do they change that in the book i feel like they they do they swap the war oh yeah and he has to like burn it and then be like did i even see that and he like keeps a piece of paper because oh like, that's right okay if you guys have not read 1984 i think everyone if you're human you just have to read it if you don't know why you should read george orwell then read christopher hitchens book why you should read george orwell <laughs> <laughs> and then after you're done with that book read all of george orwell <laughs> starting with animal farm then leading it with 1984 no, 1984 Grapes of Wrath as well. That's not George Orwell. Orwell. What? That's Steinbeck. <laughs> Shut up. Just edit this. <laughs> Steinbeck. Oh, he also boy. did Mice and Men. See, I know something. Okay, so what What uh, gospel... Okay, we look over the, the gospel topics, essays, topics. Which one should we do next? Mormons are Christian. Do becoming like God. Mormons are Christian. Yeah, we did Book of Mormon translation Just already. Just go straight to Mormons are Christian. It's a you want to do one. that? I Wait, have so have you much read for it? this. No. No? But I have stories. Really? Yes. I got a oh. letter from a, a girl in sixth grade about saving yourself. I wonder if I still have it. I'm saving sure yourself. Like, that I'm Mormon and going to hell because I'm not a Christian. Oh, not like a sexual sexual purity thing. No. Saving yourself. Like, being saved. Being, like, you need to pray these words out loud to God. Stop going to your church. Denounce the Book of Mormon and Holy attend a different cow. church. And That's an like, intense encounter for a young kid yeah and it broke our friendship she loved good me, intentions but it broke but it, was... our, it broke my heart because oh, my so religion sad. meant more to me than anything 
Okay, so it looks like next time we will be discussing our Mormons Christians. So mm-hmm. join us for that later. Thanks for joining us, guys. You want to say bye? Love you. Have a good night. <laughs> Make good life choices. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> <laughs>